All right, well, this is really our wheelhouse, so you ready to go? Ready to go. <laughs> it's just the two of us. <laughs> Anthology. I am your host, Neil Cordray. I am joined this week by the one true Ben. And that's no one else. It. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's sick. Wookie's on, on on indefinite hiatus. Um yeah. Okay, so. So bad it's good. This week we will offer our symposium and our thoughts on the concept of of so bad it's good. We will try to quantify what makes something so bad that it's good. It's kind of a it's kind of a hackneyed, cliched expression, but I figure it you know applies to the podcast. So whatever. We're waiting for our cult following. <laughs> yeah. Um. Of course, still we have uh, some news to mention this week in geek. Um. Apparently, Disney has accepted, um, or Fox, or Fox has accepted Disney's uh, bid. Uh, so, Disney, the House of Mouse, is about to absorb the House of M, um, and <laughs> so the X Men are coming home to Marvel. But this is also somewhat worrisome because Disney own Disney pretty much now owns. The childhood of everyone under uh, under like thirty five, and they all the the childhood of everyone yeah, over thirty five in its entirety, <laughs> right? Um, so at this point, Disney owns the childhood of everyone ever. There, there, there is actually a there, there is a reasonable amount of concern that really should be uh, felt here at this point. Yes, Just this is truly a monopoly. It's a little scary. Yep. On the upshot, that means that we have the potential to have the X-Men show up in a Marvel movie. Right, and remember, these are the people that have given us every Marvel movie since, what, uh, Thor, uh, the second Thor, or oh, um, well, Disney, or did they take When, when Disney bought Marvel, I can't remember. That sounds like a movie, when Disney bought Marvel. <laughs> Set it in Seattle. Yeah. Um... But yeah, it's... No, you said it in Orlando. This is true, but you know, when Harry Met Sally was set in Seattle. You're so good at distracting ourselves. <laughs> this is, yes. So, also this week in Geek, what else uh, you were saying? Um, this week in Local Geek, um, Ben and I put in regular appear- appearances at Vision Con. Um, which is moving back to our hometown of Springfield, Missouri. So, it's also going to be in May, so I might even be able to get my book done in time, although probably not, let's be honest. <laughs> um, it's all those plays, man. Well, right now I have literally no time to do anything. That's why this is, this is, a, that's why this is a double episode up this week. Right. Now, now things get confusing if I don't actually do the work, so I'll be more incentivized. <laughs> yeah, now suddenly you've put yourself on the spot. Yes, I... Sometimes that's what you have to do. <laughs> so yes, Vision Con is coming back to Springfield. Uh, it's going to be in May. It's going to be at the Springfield Expo Center. I'm looking forward to this because it means I don't have to buy a hotel room. Right, me too. Uh, it's going to be downtown Springfield almost. 
It's going to be near my favorite Mexican restaurant, too. Yeah, Yaslin's. Mm-hmm. Good Mexican. Great they Mexican. have They have tongue, and they have tripe tacos, which is all I care about. Like, apparently you can also get tongue tacos at uh, the Purple Dorito, which I only just recently found out. Lengua, yeah. which I'm a fan. I love. Lengua's really good. I noticed you stopped before you said that. I love tongue. I love tongue, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh. I was like, I was wait, waiting for the straight line. <laughs> Damn Lang- you. Lengua's a really good, uh, like, honestly, beef tongue is just delicious. Um, Turn that into an innuendo. No, no, I'm trying not to. <laughs> there are certain things I just, yeah, not going to touch. Um, so uh, that's what, what she said. Um, that's what they all said. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so that's uh, so. Vision Con will be in Springfield. Um, yeah. Come, come see Ben and I sell his books. And hopefully your book. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna crack the whip. Anyways, um, you said you mentioned another thing too, right? Um. I don't know. I'm tired. Um, let's see here. There was something. Now I'm. I went. My two things were. Oh, uh, speaking of House of Mouse. Uh huh. Star Wars. Oh yes, that was the other thing I mentioned. Um, according to a news article I read some of while I was at work, so I didn't get the chance to read the whole thing. Um, Disney executives have placed all non-episodic Star Wars films on. Hold. They're not necessarily not making them yet. They're re-examining their business plan and model. Is there is the official line? Uh, the official line. The official reason provided for this was because uh, Solo underperformed. Um, which Solo was only a mo- moderate blockbuster. Yeah, Solo only made back like twice its budget as opposed to like five times its budget or something. I don't know. Right. What 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 are Solo's uh, box office right now? I don't know. I think they're basing it on that huge number and partly you know and I, my of course my thinking on this is congratulations Toxic Fandom you got your wish no more new shit. To a certain extent, yeah. Um, Although a lot of people are saying that this might theoretically save Star Wars as well. Um, I don't know. Its own fandom has begun to eat it, so... Well, you know, that's uh, that's what... Or- that, that Ouroboros does that. Right. Eventually, things start eating their own tail. Um, let's see... Just want the damn box office results for solo. Why is this not why is this not stupidly easy to find? Here we go. Uh total domestic estimate is just around two hundred million dollars. Um not showing me where its budget was. It's not telling it apparently its production budget is a mystery, but still it's uh, domestic total estimate is just under $200 million, so you'd think they probably made their investment back at least. Oh, shit. I know this is a tough phone. Not a mic drop, a phone drop. So I'll give it time. I can probably knock the, the mic over, too. Um, 
So then, also this week, um, The Incredibles 2 came out. Incredibles 2 dropped. I haven't seen it yet. Luke Cage 2 dropped. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, evidently Incredibles 2 did is doing really well at the box mm-hmm. office. Jurassic World dropped a week or so ago, and I couldn't... I could not care less. Yeah, me either. I, Whoopee, yeah. it's uh, The Incredibles again. No, no, Jurassic. Oh, Jurassic. Yeah, no, the Incredibles. I am caring about. I'm sorry. I like Ben woke me up when he came to my house to record the podcast. I was taking a nap in the studio. In our well, this, studio. Yes, this this beautiful studio where my couches and TV are. So we have a couch and TV in our studio. Come on, man. Yeah. Maintain the. It's got great art on the wall, at least. This is true. Including a signed, uh, including a signed print, uh, print that uh, that's uh, signed by Jim Butcher for of the Dresden Files. I love um, that art. I'm... I have a friend of mine who has all of his books in hard copy and signed. That's pretty badass. Yep. Um, he's also his friend on Twitter, um, and also regularly comments on his Facebook stuff. So yeah. Cool. Yeah, dude is a bad. The kid is a badass. My friend Ronnie Gertie. Um My uh, my cousin is friends with Jim Butcher on Facebook, because he apparently went to high school with him. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, I think that covers pretty much what we had for Week in Peak. Mike's yeah. Right here, so we don't have much on the game front. Yeah. No. Um. Plus, E three just happened, so there's not going to be a whole bunch of gaming news. True. The week after E3, other than clarifications of things that happened at E3, right? So which really just going is part of your, which is part of E3 post coverage. Mm-hmm. Look at your own damn sites for that, right? So, so let's spoiler of the week. Yeah, God doesn't need a spaceship, therefore it's not, not God. Bad. Which brings us to. So bad, it's good. Yes, uh, the my my thought process here was that we would try to identify common running elements through uh, through various pieces of media that are commonly described as so bad it's good to see if we can find if we could sort of perfect the formula for so bad it's good. Even though, really, the first step of the formula is unintentional. Yeah, and I think the thing with so bad it's good. First of all, caveat, do not try this at home. Yeah. Do not try to make something so bad it's good. No. Um, because you with, can't. With all forms of media, with all forms of, of entertainment, whatever you're making, set out to make the best possible thing you can. And then fail. Yeah. Because it is in your failure that you will find... It's like... Okay. So, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's not a good movie. But it's a great movie. But yeah, it's great fun. Why? Because it strikes something in the audience, in a certain segment of the universal audience Mm -hmm. that they can play with, that they can identify with. Um, Because, for instance, um, Rocky Horror, one of the best so bad it's good because it has such a strong cult following. And I think another thing is, is it, it has people in it that, at the time, are not really great, but who go on to become 
superstars. Yeah, it's got it's got Tim fucking Curry in it. Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon, Barry yeah. Bostwick. Uh-huh. Um, you know. Got a bunch of names in that. Mm-hmm. And you and know, go on to I mean, Meatloaf's acting career never really took off, but well, his music career. <laughs> you know. Um and, you know, of course we never did find out what happened to Saturday night Saturday night. The, the current theory is that it turned into Sunday morning. Um, anyways, um, what? That was from his movie. Whatever happened to Saturday night? Oh, okay. That was from Eddie's song. Yeah. Sorry, um, I've seen Rocky Horror once when we did the episode for it. I haven't rewatched it even though I bought it on Blu-ray. Oh, you have not experienced Rocky Horror until you have experienced the full audience participation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would uh, I would offer up as additional point of so bad it's good the, the room, room, which actually tops most so bad it's good lists. That's because it's one of the most miraculous train wrecks of a movie I have ever seen in my life, and apparently Tommy Wiseau put millions of dollars into it. And it looks like it was made on a shoestring budget. Well, in Hollywood, that is a shoestring budget. No, it looks like it was made on film school budget. Um, and I think the thing is, is that with with that one, with the room, um, that hurt. With the room and Rocky Horror, both of them were trying for a deeper message than they actually t- delivered. Yeah. And I think it gets so hidden in the metaphors. Um, so another... Spoiler, the week was almost you are tearing him apart, Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and then, you know, I went through my list of bad movies. Mm-hmm. Um, bad, they're just bad. Steeled On, Patrick Swayze. Can't say I've seen it. 1980-something. Um, <laughs> post-apocalyptic most of these are post-apocalyptic because that's that's what uh, you are drawn to yeah, yeah. Um, just bad movie but schlocky action you know mm-hmm. um, you know kid gets captured romantic love interest gets captured kid gets rescued romantic love interest gets gets rescued hero wanders off into the sunset because <laughs> hero uh, right just you know but watching him walk out in, at near the end in his full I was once a proud warrior get up with the sword sticking upright from his thigh. I'm just like going, what's the kind of bad costuming choices? He's gonna stick it, he's gonna stab himself. Mm-hmm. Um here's another one going back to the 70s. Zardoz. Oh, Zardoz. <laughs> that the one penis just... is bad, the gun is good. Yes. Uh, and, and and Sean fucking Connery. In is that get-up. In that get-up, yes. With basically a red diaper. Just, a red just Google it, people. <laughs> yeah. And, and, a, and a ponytail. But, and, and a, what is it, a, a, what kind of mustache was that? The, uh, a... Big ass porn stash, if yeah. I recall correctly. Oh, there, there's actually a specific, yeah. Uh, but yeah, fucking. And thing is, is it, it's 
it's got all these deep layers of subtext that you only get when you read what the director meant. Yeah. <laughs> but then you go back and go, whoa! It's developed kind of a start, uh, a cult following. Yeah. Well, I think there's also very much a difference between cult movies mm-hmm. and So Bad It's Good movies. But many So Bad It's Good movies develop... Develop that. a cult following. This is true. Uh, but, like, Highlander is a cult movie, but I don't think you could call it a bad movie. No. I don't think you could call it a great movie either, but it's not bad. Highlander, okay, Highlander, Highlander was a pretty damn good movie. Highlander 2 was... Was a very bad movie. Very bad movie. It, it could have been... And I don't think it was, I, was, I think it was just a, bad. It could have two. been two decent stories if they hadn't put them together. Yeah. You know, the whole shyst, I mean, zeist, you know, <laughs> uh, thing. But, okay, another one, Damnation Alley. Don't know that one. It was a 1979-1980 movie. Now, now these movies, are, are these ones that you would all define as so bad they're good, or just bad movies in general? Um, okay, well, Steel Dawn was bad. Actually, these are a lot of these are so bad it's good. Um, because it's like Steel Dawn, schlocky action flick, um, Patrick Swayze rocking a beard. Um, <laughs> a lot of Patrick Swayze movies, I'm noticing. No, there's only one. I thought you said that the, the first one also had Patrick Swayze. Yeah, it is still on. That's the one I was talking oh, about. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was referencing it. Zardoz, Sean Connery, you know. Yeah. Uh, so bad it's good. Because the Zardoz, the head, which Zardoz is uh, a, a kind of a amalgamation from Wizard of Oz. Zardoz. Huh. Um, oh, okay. Right, I can see that. Damnation Alley. Okay. Damnation Alley done on 1970s special effects. Um which consists of, uh, you know, radiation storm. Okay, let's film, um, let's film a, a cloudy day in, then, sl- in, in slow frame, change the color filter, and, and key it to green, <laughs> and then speed it up. <laughs> and no, actually it was red. Back then, yeah. radiation was red. Uh, and, and it was, I think it was fall that turned radiation green. Um, but, okay, Jan Michael Vincent, George Papard. Um... Cheesy special effects, but Damnation Alley gave us the Landmaster, uh, one of the most iconic vehicles in Hollywood history. <coughs> um, I've heard the term. Landmaster is a segmented, eight-axled uh, eight um, vehicle that that runs on uh, on triangular. Uh, triangle, triangular, triaxle uh, wheels. Uh, Google it; it's it's amazing. Uh, the Landmaster was uh, featured in Arc Two, uh, or a similar design. To the okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now you know, right? <laughs> um, it's been in it's been in several movies. Yeah, it has. And it's it was based. Uh, you see it in some games, uh, particularly Mario Project, as the Mars One vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's developed kind of a cult following of its own. Um, um, the Time Machine, the two thousand two version. Oh. See, I wouldn't call that one so bad. It's good. I just call that one bad. Well, the reason that one's so bad, it's good, is because it's. It introduced the uh, the, the uh, first cause paradox. Hmm. Like, um, well, you, you get you, he he built a time machine because somebody visited him with a time machine. No, he built a time machine to go back to save his fiance. 
But because he built the time machine because of her death, he right. can't save her. Right. That was the first cause. That's an old paradox. But it... Well, that's the grandfather paradox, but the thing is, is it's the one that made that... Uh, it's the one that brought it into the, into serious con- consciousness. Okay. Um, it, as a movie, and it was a it was an interesting you know build into it. Um, now, under so bad it's bad, Judge Dredd. The the Stallone one. Yeah, the Stallone one, because Dredd is good. Dredd is good. Yeah. Um, other also under so bad it's so, it's bad, Geely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, like, I, there are a lot of movies out there that are just horribly painful to watch. Right. And then there are movies that are horribly painful to watch, but you love watching them. It's the it's the train wreck effect. Yeah, it, it's yeah. And I think and I think perhaps one of the first elements that we can really pull out of that, like, is. In one of the main things that has to happen for it to be so bad it's good mm-hmm. is that the people making it have to believe in what they're making. Yeah, there has to be a deeper, as opposed to, let's just make us an action movie. Yeah, um, like, everyone except for Christopher Walken was phoning it in for Geely. Yeah. It was a paycheck movie for everyone involved. And Christopher Walken is just Christopher Walken. Yeah, Christopher Walken just is is uh, do, is fun to watch. <laughs> it's just no, there's there's no substitute. So okay, so I I want to and I, and I throw threw down this broad category. Anything Kevin Costner made in the nineties, specifically those movies like Waterworld, The Postman, yeah, um, uh, King of Dweebs. Uh, Robin Hood, King of Thieves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, thing is, is that Postman really so bad it's good. It 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 has this desire to be this grand epic movie with a three hour runtime to to. Yeah, and and, and you know, so Waterworld. I I want to say it's so bad. But then you get Dennis... Uh, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Eating scenery. Dennis Hopper is very fun as a villain. Yeah. To go to other so bad it's good, although I'm not sure I'd say that. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Also, with Dennis Hopper as a villain, Dennis Hopper almost makes that movie so bad it's good, but not quite. Yeah, no, he's he's he uh, almost redeems the movie because you want to watch it for him being in the movie, but he's not in enough of it. Right. Um, but by the same token, if you want to go to that, uh, what's the one um, one of Raul Julia's last movies? Street Fighter. Street Fighter. He redeemed that movie. Yes, he did. And Street Fighter has one of has a great line. Uh, in it that's worth quoting here. For you, the day that M. Bison came to your village was the most important and deadly day of, of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me, it was Tuesday is a meme because, and, and is named that because of that line. Because of Raul yeah. fucking Julia. <laughs> who took, okay, Adam's family. Well, uh, Adam's family, family 
was it is not so bad. It's good because the Adams family is genuinely good. It really is. Now Adams family too. Yeah, but still. Adams family values or yeah, Adams family values. Everyone after that, everything after that, yeah, it doesn't even fall under so bad. Mm-hmm. It's just completely. But um, but yeah, anything Kevin Costner made, uh, Waterworld, Dennis Hopper just eats that movie alive. Um. But all of these secondary characters too, the little girl, the when she's describing the mariner, what he's going to do and how he's going to come after you know come after them and he doesn't sleep he doesn't rest he's bulletproof you know, just that that alone made that whole movie for me. It's like there's got I've got to write something that good someday. <laughs> um, okay, another one for me that is so bad it's good. Is Cyborg an early Jean Claude goddamn movie? <laughs> um, Jean Claude Van Damme in Cyborg um, is one of those. We must make the post-apocalypse very depressing, and 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 you know the post-apocalyptic world is the, is this depressing hell. Um, it just it is. It succeeds in tone so because it takes itself so very seriously. Like like I said, back to element one, mm-hmm. the people making the movie that is so bad it's good have to completely buy into what they are making. And and to me, that usually has to have a deeper tone to it. it has to have something to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, um, Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. Was kind of an allegory. We're going in circles. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean that's one of yeah. the things they had. It was it was an allegory. The room was. It's it's supposed to it, it it's the. Have you seen the room? No, I, I there it, it doesn't fall into my so bad it's good uh, category because it's you so bad it's bad. You uh, should see it. It's it's very it's it's great. Um. But um, we sh- I'll, I'll have to have a watch party at some point with more than just Ethan. But um, I've made it my goal in life not to see that. It's kind of like Jersey Shore. You're missing out. But in any case, um, it is also allegorical. Mm -hmm. Like, it's definitely made to point out how women are evil and will betray you. Right? So, along those lines, for (laughs) me, um, and so bad it's good, but it's allegorical. The original Star Trek motion picture. And the one with uh, with V'ger. Yes, Persis Kambata. Um, uh, as as uh, the bald. Yeah, what's the um, name? And yeah, it, it was. It was so bad. It was good because it was trying to be. Um, Grand and epic in scope. It was trying to be two thousand one: A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Um, which. But it was trying to be 2001 A Space Odyssey, but with lasers. Yep, and with (laughs) these people who had been making, let's face it, a very corny television show up until Mm then. Star Trek, the original Star Trek as a television series, Mm -hmm. is honestly so bad it's good most of the time. Yes, it has episodes that are very good, but you have to admit, it's very, very... Cornball. It's 
it's for its time it was silly. ground yeah, yeah it, it, it was groundbreaking ground. but like looking looking back on it at this point it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a joke but it's still good yeah it's for a much more naive society I think yeah because uh, it's it's trying to tell us things that we already have embraced mm-hmm. um, but then another for me so bad it's good and I don't give a damn tank girl. I liked Tank Girl. I loved Tank Girl. Tank Girl was was Tank Girl is hard to describe. And that's one of the things that makes it so that, bad. It's good. I think that's another. You're right. That's another thing that that the ex, it's a, it's a could be another experience. isolated element, as it were. Yeah, it's a thing you have to experience. Yeah. Um, because I mean, you, you put you put the chemistry of Lori Petty as Tank Girl. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines, you know, it's been swell, but swelling's gone down, <laughs> you know, and and you know just just the that total irreverent tone she brings to. I could have sworn when I first saw that movie that that was Gwen Stefani playing uh, to take her. She did. I think she did a lot of the music. Yeah, I, I can't remember, but no, it just like she sounds like you would expect Gwen That's Stefani funny. sounds when she's speaking. Yeah, because of the, because of her voice when she sings. Yeah, uh, but then it's got you know an early Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. Ice T at the beginning of his acting career. And it's got Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. Who frequently appears in movies that are so bad they're good. I'm thinking of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, yeah, but I'm trying to think of Jeremy Irons' role in that. Huh? Jeremy Irons' role in that in uh, Tank Girl. He's the villain. No, that's Malcolm McDowell. Oh shit, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, that's what? an easy mistake to make, though. Yeah. Well, Jeremy Irons... Oh, okay, I'm also... Jeremy Irons and Michael McDowell are easy to confuse. Yeah. Um, they, they are. They really are. Because Jeremy Irons... Okay. The Medallion. Uh, Jackie Chan movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, over the top, cornball, Jeremy Irons, perfect deal. Uh, but yeah, Malcolm McDowell as, as the villain. Um, just, yeah, choose that up. Uh, makes the perfect foil for Lori Petty, um, you know, and, and the Rippers. It was just great, but you know, and and nothing. It's one of those things that it's a it's a movie that on the one hand takes itself seriously, but it's using a very irreverent comic as its uh, as its base. So art by the person that ended up doing the art for the gorillas for gorillas. Uh, like all of their stuff. Who? So, there's this band called Gorillas. Because mm-hmm. you said art, but I'm like, what? <laughs> there's this band called Gorillas. All of their music videos are animated with the, oh. with its own band. Right. Okay. Um, and the person that did Tank Girl was the art. It, it ha- is and has been the art director. For every one of their music videos and their their art, for right, lack of all better, their, yeah, all their marketing stuff, yeah. Um, and, because Gorillas is in fact actually just two guys, right? Uh, but this is the band. Yeah, see, and that's very tank. It, well, that's because it's the same person. <laughs> but uh, and of course, you know, when in the middle of it, you have. A, um, 
you have a musical number to Let's Fall in Love. You know, just because it is hard to describe what makes that movie so deliciously, delightfully good. And, you know, people say, you know, that that, that Tank Girl ends up being this accidental or, you know, anti-hero. But no, she is, the the way, my, my interpretation of it is that Tank Girl, the way Lloyd Petty, uh, you know, uh, played her, was always a decent person. Just with, you know, just with a bad attitude. Yeah. You know. Well, you can be a bitch, but still be a good person. Yeah, I mean, she goes all this way just to, just to rescue a, a friend, but gets, you know, um, b- basically just, you know, is appalled at, you know, at some of the things that she runs into. Yeah, she's, uh, she is the sort of, like, in, in, in the comics, she's much more of an anti-hero. Yeah. But in the movie, she is... She is much more the jerk with a heart of gold uh, archetype. Yeah, she really is. She really is. Um, and the way, way Lori Petty delivers all of that is great. Um, and then, okay, there's another one that I think falls under so bad it's good. And it's a post-Star Wars Mark Hamill vehicle called Slipstream. Was that the one that was where he was in Canada and had a it had a model boat? Mm, I'm not familiar. Okay. No, uh, Slipstream is a post-apocalyptic one. Uh, then no. Uh, where he's playing a bounty hunter, uh, trying to retrieve an android. Hmm. Um, because androids are bad, um, but you know, as it turns out, the android is good, and he's trying to, you know. Find find a a and there's the slipstream which makes flying dangerous, but it's a thing. Um, but yeah, you have this indestructible character who um, is indestructible, very powerful, but not drunk on his own power. Yeah, and Hamill portrays this. This is the law. I must follow it. I've been told to bring this guy in, therefore I shall under all circumstances. To the point that at the end, when his character dies, um, you know, in spite of, of the android's best efforts to save him, you're okay with that? Even if he started to redeem himself. And it's trying to make this, you know, this powerful allegory about, you know, about the nature of humanity and, you know, and because it's Mark Hamill, it never actually got theatrical release in the U.S. Um, I only saw it on DVD. Hmm. Or on VHS at the time, which shows you how old it is. But yeah, I I think it, it, most of the, most of your cult movies have a deeper allegorical meaning. They do end up with a cult following. Yep. Um, they do take themselves very seriously. Yeah. And I think it's... I, to me, I think it's not so much that it's so bad, it's good. It's like watching for, foreign film. What? Like watching a foreign film? Mm-hmm. How Sorry. so? Okay, foreign films are very, very heavy on allegory. 
frequently, depending on depending of course on the whose foreign films you're talking about too. True, if it's a French film, it's just you know, and we'll put this in because why? Because it is a it is it is a metaphor. I thought we were doing allegory. No, it's a metaphor. <laughs> you know, I will take it to the, the next level and make it a metaphor. <laughs> Blue is the warmest color is a very strange movie. Right, and that's the thing is, is that it's. It, they're trying to make it art as opposed to entertaining. Yes. However, the thing that that's that, I think that's actually the other. Uh, so, so far we have identified elements of should try to have should should try to have a deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. Should be very much taken seriously, mm-hmm. at least by its creators, by its creators, and by by the people. Uh, involving with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing that it really needs is to fail at it. Like otherwise, if it's if it's metaphorical and is being taken seriously by its creators, it's probably just going to end up being good. I think it also needs to fail to deliver on the allegory that it's attempting to deliver on. And I think actually, yeah, I think you're, you're, I think we're going in the right direction. I think it has to be too deep. Yeah. The allegory has to be too deep, too uh, mm-hmm. cerebral. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what it needs to miss the point that it's trying to make itself. Right, because it gets goes too deep, because it gets too allegorical. Yeah. Because it relies too heavily on the symbolism, um, because. Unlike what we were talking about last week, um, with American movie audiences, you are talking about a very unsophisticated... uh, (laughs) Yeah. um, Because you are talking about the average. And when you think about that... Mm -hmm. It also needs to... that's, That's the other... It needs to be marketed for... Mass consumption, mm-hmm. like because there are a bunch of art house films out there uh-huh. that are art house films, and you know would air at you know would would show up at Cannes or Sundance or something that the average person, including probably us, would be like, "This isn't good." Yeah, what you talking about, Willis? Like yeah. like the movie Antichrist with Willem Dafoe. Don't see it. I will take your I will take your advice to heart on that one. Yeah, it involves Willem Dafoe gets his dick crushed with a two by four. Oh God, that's in, yeah, in, okay. in a very that's more than I needed to know. In a very graphic scene too. Ow. It's like God. Yeah, thanks. Uh, don't need to don't need that imagery in my head. Yeah, no, you didn't. That's why I wanted to give it to you. Uh, uh. That's <laughs> a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> um. But um, <clears throat> good God. Art Antichrist is a very, it's it's a very pretentious movie. That I, I the, that I think that that that's part of it too. It it needs to take itself too seriously. It, yeah, it, no, it, yeah, that it, that's the, that's the thing. It was in fact taking itself too seriously. Thank you. I'm listening for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the room takes itself way too seriously. Yeah, but the thing is. It, but it, it does a good job at it. <laughs> it's not. It, it, it doesn't in. It, it doesn't intentionally take itself too seriously. 
Well, nobody intentionally takes themselves too seriously. Uh, I, I, I would argue that point with art house films tend to intentionally be like, oh, well, we have any movie where you could imagine the uh, the director speaking about their movie with a British accent. Yes, or speaking about their movie in the sesquipedalian uh, term. Uh, yes. With the sesquipedalian vocabulary because that's the only kind of word that fits. Yeah, like... Like, even if you don't use Tommy Wiseau's voice to describe the room, all you can really say about it is it's about how, you know, how, how women are horrible and will try to ruin your life. It, because that, that's really what the... Mm-hmm. Tommy Wiseau appears to hate women. Um, in, the, in the room. Or does it, in, does he... In, the, in the room, at least. Right. Um, like, it, it comes off very... But that's, that's, that's sorry. I, I, we talked about this in our in our room episode, um, but uh, you can't say that with us. Oh uh, well, it's about how how the female of the species is. No, it, it's it's about how women are horrible and will and, and will ruin you. Right, and and that's I think a thing is like, um, I think you're right. Is I completely agree there. So those things that if the if you can picture the the director or the producer describing it in su- in such a way that it appears much more lofty than it really is. Yeah. Um, like because because Rocky Horror. What would you even say would be the deeper meaning of Rocky Horror? Um. Because we we both agree that it's probably trying to get to one, but what would you think is the deeper meaning? That I think it all gets summed up in the end is that you have to be your, who you really are. Um, yeah, because that's not a, that, but that's not a theme that you can say while wearing a monocle. True. Unless you just happen to wear a monocle, but like, well, well, putting on a monocle for dramatic effect. Yes. Uh, well, Rocky Horror Picture Show is really an allegory about how people tend to wear masks and conceal who they really are. And then when given the chance, when everything else is stripped away, they become truly transcendent beings. Mm-hmm. Although, ironically, the narrator would totally say it exactly like that. <laughs> the criminologist, yes. <laughs> Which is kind of what I was going for, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, because that, that was the voice I was thinking of. I was like, mm-hmm. um, it's just a jump to the left. <sighs> oh, here we are. We're gonna go do the time warp again, are we? Yeah, no, <laughs> let's. Um. <clears throat> but like, um, slipstream. Going mm-hmm. for that one. Yep. Slipstream is what is is about what it takes to be human. Where we take a human and strip away all that is human about him, and then we take an android, the decidedly not human, and make him more human than human. Well, yes, but I'm saying that. The main the, the main thing my my driving point here is that mm-hmm. the majority of people like that's not you can force anything to sound like that yeah but, but that's not to. how you would naturally describe it true but you've got to be able to see it being described that way by the director 
in looking at the end mm-hmm. product. But you don't. But you, well, you can ima- You have to be able to imagine the director being able to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. But I feel like like the, that's what separates art house movies from movies that uh, like. That's what separates things from so bad it's good from just being pretentious. Mm-hmm. Is that you? Is that even though you could potentially imagine someone finding a way to describe it that way, mm-hmm. you do not imagine the director describing it that way. Right. So uh, you could imagine a film critic being all very high and mighty about it, but the but the director the the idea person while they have the idea mm-hmm. they have it in more plain like it it's not some lofty ideal it's like this is this was the message i was trying to get across right it's about being human it's about being who you are it's, yeah you know, yeah it's, yeah, not, it's not about oh it's about man's and humanity to man oh, okay. yeah it's about how it's you know kind of like john sweetman saying you know the real monsters are humans mm-hmm. um yeah and I, I can see that and of course, but then you get things like Tank Girl, mm-hmm. which I almost see is like, you know what we haven't had in this. You know, what people would not expect would be a lot of fun, a musical number, or Lori Petty going, you know what? Why don't we put a musical number here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, we got all these people. We got to, you know. Why don't we just, you know, I can threaten to, I can threaten to scrape off all the makeup, <laughs> you know, because I wonder how much of that she ad libbed. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was in its at its heart a fun movie. Sometimes mm-hmm. the so bad it's good is just someone trying to make a fun movie, trying to have a little fun when they make a movie, mm-hmm. and succeeding. It has to appeal to a very narrow subset. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's like Firefly appeals to a very narrow subset. Now, granted, it's so good, it's good, you know, but it's almost Mary Sue good. It's too good for this world. Uh, That's why it died. Exactly. Uh, I was trying to think there was another, there's some other things. Okay, for instance, okay, Nickelback. So mediocre, but it is so good because they are so mediocre. Everybody likes to trash on Nickelback. Yeah, they're they're not a bad band. But they're not a great band. But they are so average that they're exactly what people want to hear. Yeah, the the main problem that people have that 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 people who like good music have with Nickelback is that Nickelback got so much play back in the early aughties. Yeah. Um, in the early to mid aughties, it's just like. Hey, it's another Nickelback song, and all of their songs sound the same. Yep, or close to it. Well, they're like when you look when you look at the actual like chord structure and progression, their two biggest songs are literally the same song with different lyrics. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, and, and basically, when it comes down to it, it's a bunch of white white dudes jumping around on stage, yeah. just like Coldplay. Um, but Coldplay's better because they have more musical variety. This is true, but and they also they have a semi-spiritual approach to some of their music. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, so what else falls under this? Uh, you know, like we have TV TV series mm-hmm. that you would say are good, so bad it's good. 
<sighs> Not really. Yeah. Because another, because as I'm thinking about it, because I'm still trying to maintain the the conceit of trying to identify uh, commonalities between movies that are so bad they're good. Right. I think another common element that you can that you could identify for such films is or such media is that they are frequently only acknowledged as such in retrospect. Yeah. Like pretty much like like Rocky Horror didn't have what like wasn't it a box office failure? By large. Yeah. Um but it found its it, it but it found it found its cult following. Right. Um Legend. Oh, Another yeah. Tim Curry film. Yep. Tim Curry and Tom Cruise. Well, Legend was Tom Cur- T- Tim Curry was actually cast in Legend because of his performance in Rocky Horror. Little yeah. known, little bit of trivia. I mean, it was just yeah. Legend has a cult following. Um, it just it it was a very deep movie. And I'm not sure it's so bad. It's good. I'm kind of I'm kind of inclined to think that it's just kind of bad, but worth seeing because it's beautiful. It's like great. it's shot so well. Isn't it really Scott? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Like the acting, the the, the the and the problem is the acting in it is inconsistent. Yeah. Not everyone seems to really buy into it. Like Tom Cruise has one note in the whole movie, which is which no one could see because I did it visually. Right. But well. it's very it's kind of wide eyed and 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 crazy eyes really. But um, yeah. He proves that he cannot pull off a, a real action scene. He can't pull off whimsy, either. Yeah. He, he and the thing is, he was directed to be whimsical, and he yeah, doesn't. he was he was supposed to be Jack, a free spirit. Yeah. Yeah. No. D- you know, because Tom Cruise basically, you know, thrives on smolder. Yep. And you know, I'm intense. Um, he hadn't found well. And Tom Cruise was still an up and comer at that time, so yeah, he hadn't he hadn't found his uh, he hadn't hit his stride really. Well, that and shades hadn't been invented in the time of Legend. <laughs> Seriously, every movie that Tom Cruise does good in, he does the glasses pull. I disagree. I can think of one movie wherein he does not. That he is very good at. Which movie is that? A Few Good Men. Okay, I, I will give him that, but The Shades in Risky Business, in Top Gun, <laughs> in all of the Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> you know. It's hard to believe that once upon a time, Tom Cruise was, you know, a, dr- a dramatic actor. Yeah. Um, Although. He has found an excuse to run in almost every movie he's ever been in. This is true. That that's the that that's been the that, that's the joke. Tom Cruise runs in this scene. And it just yeah. 
he's you either run, he either runs or is in the rain or both, right? Or goes fast somehow. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I think a lot of them have a lot of deep allegory to them that people don't mm-hmm. get. The only the only a narrow subsection of audiences get. Yeah, um, but you're right. Legend was a beautiful movie, poorly acted. Let's, shall we get to, try to get back on topic at least a little bit? Well, so, and I think I think a lot of the cult mm-hmm. cult movies um, also usually have one actor that carry them. Well, cult movies in general, but not all cult movies are so bad that they're good. Like to go back to Highlander is a cult movie, but it's not. But like it's a good yeah, it's, it's a, a good a, movie too. Yeah. But there's there's a difference between being a cult film and being so bad it's good. Like a, a cult films can be can be enjoyed because they're enjoyable. Right. But actually, so bad say, they're good has to be enjoyed despite of itself. Right. And usually, so bad it's good will still have one character, one actor, or one character who will carry them. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for the room. Well, I thought Tommy will still carry that movie. No. That, that, that's the thing. No one in that movie is a good actor. At all. Like, I'm sorry, Greg Sestro, I'm sure you're a beautiful guy, but you can't act your way out of a paper bag, If at least from, the, from what I saw in that movie. And you're probably the best actor in that movie. <laughs> um... Although I don't know how much of that is your fault and how much of that is a director's fault. I know you listen to the podcast. That's why I'm direct addressing you directly. Conan the Destroyer. That was the second one? Mm-hmm. Terrible movie. Yeah. But... Was that the one with James Earl Jones, or was he the, in the first one? He was in the first one. Okay. The first one was very true to the Robert E. Howard aesthetic and feel. Yeah. In that one, Schwarzenegger was bulky, but not ripped. He had very... He was large, uh, but no definition to his, to his musculature. Um, it was a... That one was a deep movie... It was a sort of slow movie, but god damn was it good. I fell in love with Sindal Bergman um, in that movie. I just, oh, she was great. Um, but then you put Arnold Schwarzenegger against Will Chamberlain, who could not act. Olivia Diabo, still learning to act. Um, the, 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 the saving grace in that movie were the two sidekicks, Mako and um, his his other sidekick with the knives. Yeah, well, it's almost like, uh, I think it was pronounced Mako by most people, but I don't know. The thing is, Mako has won Oscars. <laughs> this is true. This is true, you know. But, and he, he just, he mm-hmm. stole every scene he was in. Yep. That he had, you know, had a part in. Uh, you know, um, he can do comedy. 
Yep. Just as well as he can do serious because he does his comedy so serious. It would be Mako, I think, technically. Yeah. Although other people still pronounce it Mako. Well, they're mispronouncing it. Yeah. But well, apparently he was only nominated for Best Supporting Actor in The Sand Pebbles. Only nominated for an Oscar. Holy fuck. Oscar nominees still, you know... Also, he was a Tony Award nominee for in Pacific Overtures. Yeah, I mean, the man is a great actor. Yeah. Well, he was. He was, yeah. Rest in peace, my friend. Um, I mean, his... Yeah. And... He, you know, just... But him and him and I can't remember the name of the of uh, of the sidekick in in Destroyer. Give me a second. Conan the Destroyer, cast: Arnold Schwarzenegger as Conan, Grace Jones as Zula. Grace Bil- Jones was another yeah. fun part of that movie. Bill Chamberlain as Bambata, Mako as Akiro. Uh, Tracy Walter as Malak. Sarah Douglas as Queen, as Queen Taramis. She was kind of good too. Olivia de Obo as Princess Jenna. Or Jenna, I'm not sure. Pat Roach as Tothamon. <laughs> Jeff Corey as Grand Vizier. He didn't even get an actual. The character didn't even get a name. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, Sveol Thorson as Togra. Andre the Giant as Dagoth. Wow, he was Dagoth? Yeah. Holy mother, I did not know that. And Ferdy Main as the leader. So, I guess it was Moloch? Is this... Is this uh... Moloch? I, I don't know. I haven't, seen the Destro- I haven't seen Destroyer. I can't remember the name of anybody but, you know, Bombata, which was just one of the best names ever. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, yes, Moloch. Um, according to the plot synopsis on Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because he was the, he was the ultimate, he was Smeagol before there was Smeagol. You know, as far as the voice. He was Smeagol's voice before Andy Serkis perfected it. Okay. Take your word for it, I haven't seen Destroyer. Um, well the character, the, the actor, uh, has been in a lot of things. He was, uh, I think he was Bob in uh, in Batman. Bob, the Joker's sidekick. I it's been a long time since I've seen Keaton Batman. Oh. Okay, that one. No, that was so bad. It's bad. <laughs> what? Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I. Yeah, although. That that okay. That 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 actually leads me to another point. So bad it's good movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like I will actually very very much enjoy watching Batman and Robin. But like I would never I would never encourage people to see Batman and Robin. Right. Like I'll I'll sit down and watch it because I personally think it's hilarious. So bad it's good mm-hmm. uh, is frequently uh, going to. It, it, so, so another thing about so bad it's good is that a lot of movies that are so bad they are good, 
can be sort of universally agreed upon as such. Yeah. To try and get to another universal constant. I really am trying trying to get to that point. Yeah. But the thing is, is I think there is one thing you can say about any so bad it's good movie is that there is always what makes it so bad it's good is just people. The audience makes them so bad they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, because the audience is what makes us look at it and see something good in yeah. how bad it is. There, there's a difference between so bad it's good and so bad it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think that's. I think there is that. Because um, yeah, Batman and Robin. If you look at it as a. 1960s era Batman yeah. level film. If Batman had been played by Adam West, mm-hmm. as opposed to George Clooney, yeah, which almost the same. George Clooney's not a bad actor, and for his day, neither was Adam West. True. Um, see, the thing is, is I thought Val Kilmer did a better job as Batman. Uh, in Batman Forever. Well, it's partially because Batman Forever was a better movie. It was. It really was. Um, because it had better villains. Jim Carrey did, to me, a passable Riddler. Yeah, he, well, honestly, Jim Carrey is pretty... is makes sense as the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Just like how, like... Jesse Eisenberg in Super Orphan Fight shouldn't have been playing Lex Luthor. He should have been playing the Riddler. Yeah. He'd have been a great Riddler. He'd have been a good Joker. Or a good Joker, yeah. Yeah. But, a little yeah. bit more manic than the Joker should... Than I think the Joker should always cope with. I always, I always find the Joker should be... Should only be manic occasionally. Jesse Eisenberg is always manic. Yeah. Of course, to me, the person who even physically could play the Joker is still Mark Hamill. Yeah, Hamill would be a great Joker to, to do... To, to play the Joker. Well, yeah, yeah, would be a great the Joker in a movie. Oh, yeah. Just, and not just because he's got the voice. But, well, when you watch him do the voice... Mm-hmm. He changes. He physically transforms. His eyes get weird. <laughs> You're going, yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, and that's that's the thing is, I think Batman Forever almost falls under so bad it's good. But it was a better movie. Yeah, well, it was still a bad movie, but it was still yeah, a better. It, bad it was. Movie. It was definitely. It was definitely much more, much closer to so bad it's good, mm-hmm. universally than right. Batman and Robin. Right, which is why I also kind of, to me, think the the Kevin Costner, uh, Kevin Costner character without name movies, um, are actually so bad they're good. They hit a lot of the things. They take themselves very seriously. Take themselves seriously. They're trying to deliver a deeper message. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily succeeding, but they're definitely trying. Right. Um, they have the redeeming villain. Yeah. And they're typ- typically competently acted. Yeah. Which isn't a universal because the room is the exception that kind of proves the rule. Right. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but they but they were, again, too deep for their audience. Mm-hmm. Um, they took themselves too seriously. 
and kind of failed at the box office, mm-hmm. but have found, but have since found uh, value in, and, and but have since found value as a cult film. Right, exactly. You uh, kind of got a formula down. Yeah. This is the sort of formula that you cannot recreate intentionally. No, you can't because you've got to get everything in the right proportions. Yeah. Just like Mad Max. So, okay, Mad, Mad Max by, by itself. Yeah. Okay, it's a schlocky Australian... You're talking yeah. about the original Mad Max? Yeah, the original Mad Max. Not, you know, but then you get to the Road Warrior. Yep. So overacted. Or badly acted, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you've got a character. The villain's name is Humongous. You know, and it just it, it was everything the eighties aspired to be. Yeah. And then we get Thunderdome, which is kind of a step back. But then yeah. we got beyond Thunderdome for Thunder for uh, Fury Road. Yeah. Sorry, I had to make that joke before you stepped on it. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but then when you get beyond Thunderdome, you end up on Fury Road. <laughs> and Road. Fury Road was amazing. Oh, my God. Fury Road is one of those ones that had they underdone or overdone any single part of it, to, yeah. the, to the slightest bit, it yeah. would have gone... Into ter- into the territory of bad. Yeah, Fury Road. They made. We're get punched very much getting off topic, but I feel like we've kind of covered the topic pretty well. Yeah, Fury Road was like it was it was a spinal tap tap amplifier. Everything was turned up to eleven. Yes, I think that, that's that's yeah everything everything was turned up to eleven. The uh, uh, was it uh, God now I can't. Recall the name, but I had it in my head just a minute ago. The boys, uh, not the Lost Boys. Blaster Master? No, no. The the tribe of people that followed in in uh, the kids. Yeah, in, in in Fury Road. Oh yeah, the War Boys. War Boys. Yeah, it's like something boys. The War Boys. Mm. Perfectly overdone. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, when they're charging into battle with a truck full of speakers, I mean, describe it as itself. A truck full of speakers with a, with a guy in a gimp suit playing, playing an electric guitar with a flamethrower attached to it. <laughs> yeah, electric guitar that is a flamethrower. Oh my god, if the music wasn't so good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but. Although was, I have that image saved um, for. My, for the for uh, with an image macro of of don't be a bard they said bards are lame they said <laughs> yeah I mean it, it just takes all the elements that would make it bad yeah and and it's just like let's crank that shit up to eleven and suddenly yes. you've got a good movie yep I do mean, things that no one that that yeah essentially. That the Fury Road is, I think, perhaps one of the few movies that sort of set out to that set out to accomplish most of the goals of a so bad it's good movie, but because it actually set out to do them and accomplish them properly, made a great movie. Yeah, because you know, like, I mean, let's take a character 
And let's hit as many tropes as we can with her. Yeah. Let's hey, let's make her female. Let's make her a strong female. Give let's, her one arm. Let's make her handicapped. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, holy shit! You know, Furiosa was great. Furiosa, and yeah, Charlize Theron. Yeah. I mean, okay, Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. For what? For was it Monster? Was she? Were did she won the Oscar? I for? can't remember what Charlize Theron won. What? Uh, with. But yeah, and she, and the thing is, is that that whole black hat upper half of her face. It wasn't just a thing. Let's let's make you know. Let's make everything from our nose up black. You know, no, it was a ritual. Yeah, it was grease paint. <laughs> it was literally grease. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yes, it was monster. Uh, yeah. You know, that she at least she was in Monster, so yes, she was the she was the lead character in Monster. She won not uh, list of ask of accolades received by Charlize Theron because it has its own uh, sub page on Wikipedia. Nominated for two ACTA awards, never won. Nominated for two Academy Awards, won once. Uh, Best actress. <laughs> yeah, nominated for two BAFTAs. Uh, no ones. Uh, five Critics' Choice won one twice. Um, she's gotten a. Uh, she's been nominated for one Primetime Emmy, because, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just yeah, she you, was nominated at one for best mo- for best monster in a in a leading role. Best actress in a leading role, and nominated once again for best actress in North Count, uh, Country, but lost. Who won that year? Give me a second here. Uh, best actress. Oh, yeah. What? Reese Witherspoon and Walk the Line. Okay. Also up against Judy Dench and Felicity Huffman. Oh my God. It's like, yeah, you just, I, you were nominated. Good job. You're not winning this year. Yeah. <laughs> you were nominated. You're standing in a, you're standing in rarefied company. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and this thing is, you, you got it takes all the elements of a so bad it's good movie, cranks them up to eleven, and therefore somehow. Makes one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, my God, it was just, yeah. I mean, yeah, the War Boys, the whole cult and culture, yeah, you know, around it, and just, it was amazing. And, you know. Also, um, I don't know, I, I had a thing. Okay, another it's one. It's gone now. <laughs> yeah, another one. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out there as a potential so bad it's good or so bad it's bad. Dune. <sighs> the version with Sting is that the Lynch version? I think that's the Lynch version. Yeah. I will kill you. But that one had so many tremendous actors in it. Patrick Stewart as Gurney freaking Halleck. And uh, Jorgen Prochnow as dad? Duplito? Let's see. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was the Lynch one that had Sting and Stewart and 
Who'd you say? Jurgen Prochnow as Duke Leto. Uh, give me a second here. Yes. God damn, I'm good. <laughs> I have my moments. Uh, but yeah, and, and then Kyle McLaren as McLaughlin. Yeah, McLaughlin, whatever. As uh, uh, Paul. Yeah. Um. Fuck yeah. And then. And for those of you who don't know who Kyle Mc, who uh, Kyle McLaughlin is, he's that one actor that you've seen in in a lot of movies, but you can never remember his name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it borders on both so bad it's good and so bad it's bad, and also just borders on being a good movie too. Is the very thing. true? I mean, it's it's long. It's, it's a very faithful adaptation of Dune. Yes, it's as faithful as you can get to. to yeah, which man, I'm gonna have to go read that fucking book again. Um, and so yeah. I mean that was so it hits so many. I feel those. like Dune is much more of a of a cult movie than a so bad it's good movie. Yeah, because it was very. It has good. a niche audience, mm-hmm. but it has a niche audience that will uh, that will greatly appreciate it, which is counterpoint to the concept of so, so bad, bad it's, it's good, good, which is that. So bad it's good has mass appeal despite itself. In spite of yeah, in spite of its attempts to the contrary. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and I think I think one of the things we need to do is, uh, as a, as another episode is cult movies. Yeah, I mean, um, the th- there are depths to be plumbed here. Right. So yeah, because cult movies, Lady Hawk is a is a great one. We'll, we'll have to do we'll have to do an episode on. Or do you think Lady on, Hawk? No, I don't think we could. Well, I don't think we should do an episode just on Lady Hawk, but we could no, do an episode on, cult on, movies. on cult movies. Yeah. Lady Hawk, uh, I am of split opinion on Lady Hawk. Because I, I, like, I don't think it's all that great a movie. I think it's got really great scenes, but I don't think it's a great movie. Um, there, it, it's, a, it's a movie that has... Internal problems with itself. Okay, and we, and we tread different ground here because I grew up with Lady Hawk. Yeah. Um. And to me, that was the the best, most beautifully done sword and sorcery fantasy movie of its day. Better than Hawk the Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> Highlander 2 was better than Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like saying it's Iron Fist? <laughs> I was just trying to think of something else that was similarly kind of... Okay, okay. Re- temporally coterminous. Okay, okay. So, so you... 8mm. The film the kids were making in 8mm... You mean the movie Super 8? Super 8, yes. Super 8. Super yeah. 8 was fun. No, no. I'm The movie they were trying to make oh, in Super 8. Oh, right. The movie that the kids were making in Super 8. Gotcha. That we got to see at the end. Yeah. That was better than Hawk the Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I'm oh, going to get hate mail on that one. Oh, yes, because the people that love Hawk the Slayer all listen to us. Uh, <laughs> So I think we've I think we've got a new low 
is better than Hawk the Slayer. Than Hawk the, well, no, was Hawk the Slayer better, better than it? Yeah, yeah. We we that that's an episode right there. Better than Hawk the Slayer or be, or not? Well, <laughs> Hawk the Slayer had had the possibility for good things. It did. Like the the fun the the the, th- the problem with Hawk the Slayer was that. The leads, none of the leads could act worth a damn. I know. It all the supporting cast was really, really good. Okay, now I've I've got one that's gonna fall under Hawk the Slayer, Uh-oh. the Barbarian Brothers movie. I haven't seen that. So the Barbarian Brothers were a pair of of wrestling, uh, the tag team. Oh my. Yeah. How long have we been chatting? Uh, it is twelve fifty nine. Uh, well, we theoretically could talk for another 15 minutes. I feel like at this point we're just yammering, though. Yeah, I, I think at this point we're, we're, we're covering... You we're know, just falling into having a discussion at the uh, at night after con. Right, exactly, exactly. I think we're talking... Now we're into good movie, bad movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, I think to recap and probably put an end to the episode here now... Um, <laughs> to their suffering. Yes. So... Uh, the criteria that we have been able to establish for so bad it's good. Um, Deep allegory. Have have be allegorical and miss and miss. Um, have your uh, ha- have your company fully invested in what in what you are trying to do. The buy-in. Yeah. Or at least have nearly full buy-in. Yeah, somebody has to take what take the message and the movie seriously. Yes, um, fail initially. Like have, like you you pretty much are. If you're going to be so bad, you're good. You've got to be a cult film. Yeah. Um, I, what else did we have? We had others. Um, it has to. I, I think it has to. Um, Part of the fail, you know, t- part of the fail utterly, it has to miss its target audience. Yeah. Um, it has to... Because it has to fail on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to aim for allegory and overdo it or not do it well. Mm-hmm. It has to take itself so seriously that it almost becomes pretentious. Um, it has to not appeal to a mainstream audience mm-hmm. in a big way. Until people realize the true genius of how bad it was. Right. Until people analyze it. I think on on first viewing, yeah. it is not good. It ha- And it has to still be bad by analysis, but in mm-hmm. an entertaining manner. And I think, that's the, I think that's the final thing, is in the end, it still has to be entertaining to the audience that discovers it. Mm-hmm. Um, because... So bad, it's good. Still has to have some aspect that makes you want to watch, want to subject yourself to it. Mm-hmm. However, now I'm going to do a thing. I'm going to throw it out to the audience. What do you think we forgot? What movies, television shows, music, books? Well, not just what 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 things, because there's a whole goddamn laundry list of of media that we did not mention. But what do you think? But audience, what do you think is a uh, are qualities that 
that Maybe. that are that are more universally universal in so bad they're in so bad it's good uh, media. Please leave a comment on the Facebook page or on our website or send an email to. I should probably set up an email address for the thing because wherever it is, well, we yeah, or click or click uh, contact us on our website because um, I think technically right now that goes to my email address. Um, You'll get what all you get flooded with what two three emails. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I and I'm going to incentivize this. Ooh. Um. For the best. Uh, for 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 any comments that we receive, the the best of them that we can parse through, um, will be ben- mentioned in two weeks as a sort of follow up. We will because I really want to drive community engagement. Damn it! We will read your sh- <laughs> we will read your words out loud. Yes, word to us. Make sure they're written well because I will read them as are written as they are written. And but I will. if you write them really badly, yeah. If you make them so bad, they're good. Uh, <laughs> if you write them really badly, we will make them worse. But yeah. What 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 qualities do you think we left out um, in our analysis here? And what specific examples fit those qualities? Indeed. Obviously, like humorously enough, as I was as we were going through the through those qualities, the room fails on almost every level. Except for the buy-in. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Something about it has to appeal to an audience. Yeah, there, it, it, that, that, that... I feel like it's, like, there are going to be outliers, but all the outliers will be will serve primarily to prove the point. That The Room is the worst movie ever. Well, not just that, but still. Um, in any case, um... That that will be that will be in future episodes. We're probably gonna get to Luke Cage next week if if I get a chance to watch it between now and then. I might not, so we might have to be in two weeks. I don't know. Um, this play is a thing, but yeah. Um, next next time we will talk about something. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. We'll figure something out. Yes. In the meantime, this has been. Neil and the one true Ben and uh, other people. Hopefully, will be ne- be here next time. Verdi Fanthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter L and the number fifty-two. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate us. We read everything. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us, either by making a one-time donation on our website, or a reoccurring one at Patreon. A final thought. You are still tearing us apart, Lisa.